0: The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit Stripe.com tapiphone iPhone.
1: Mike N has supported independent tech news directly for about one day. Be like Mike and become a DTNS member at Patreon.com DTNS.
2: This is the Daily Tech News for Tuesday, April 16th, 2019 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt.
1: And from Studio Feline, I'm Sarah Lane.
3: And from the blazing hot countryside of Finland, I'm Patrick Beja.
4: <laughs> and uh, overcast skies from Rat. Right, I'm the show's producer, Roger Chang. And Roger Chang with the weather. <laughs> uh,
2: we are going to talk about the PlayStation 5, question mark, uh, a wired interview with uh, a Sony employee about what's coming next. For a PlayStation console, that is coming. Patrick will keep us up to date on that. But let's start with a few tech things you should know.
1: We may have peace in our time, folks. This is a big one. Apple and Qualcomm have agreed to settle all all ongoing lawsuits. Apple will pay Qualcomm an undisclosed amount and enter into a six-year global patent licensing agreement with an option to extend for another two years. Qualcomm will also supply parts to Apple for several years.
3: Also known as Apple Needs 5G Chips. Microsoft announced its E3 event will take place on Sunday, June 9 at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. It will be streamed on Microsoft's Mixer as well as other platforms.
2: It's going to be big. They keep saying that as if they wouldn't make it big. Anyway, HTC told XDA developers that its apps disappeared from the Google Play Store, not because they're giving up or going home or not making (laughs) phones anymore, but because those apps did not meet requirements after a recent change in Google Play Store policy. HTC's Sense Home Launcher, Mail, and Re Camera apps have all returned to the store, and HTC says all the other apps that disappeared will return at the end of this month at the latest.
1: A teaser on store.google.com now says, on May 7th, meet a new hero, which then links to a page that says, help us on the way. On May 7th, something big is coming to the Pixel universe with a link to an Avengers Endgame tie-in promotion. The Google I.O. opening keynote takes place on May 7th. I wonder what they have up their sleeve.
2: What a move. Getting getting, a...
4: visit bankofamerica.com/bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A. Copyright 2024.
3: The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI, with models at every point on the price-performance curve. You no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence.
0: Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit Stripe.com slash Tap iPhone. Disney to sponsor the
3: tease for your phone announcement. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they they got my attention.
2: Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, I kind of assumed the Pixel would be announced May 7th, but
3: now we're pretty sure about it.
2: Let's talk a little more about something that might be coming in the Apple display universe.
3: Indeed. Yesterday, we passed along some source info from 9to5Mac about upcoming iOS 13 features. Well, sources also tell 9to5Mac that Apple is working on new feature for macOS 10.15 that lets users send any window of any app to an external display including an iPad. The feature is reportedly being called Sidecar internally and will feature a new menu that has options for making the window full screen, tilling and moving to external external displays. iPads that support Apple Pencil can be drawn on when used as an external display.
1: Oh, that part is cool. You know, but mm. my initial reaction is like, okay, well, I don't know. You kind of like mirror your displays or work them out. Otherwise, I'm I'm using an external display with a MacBook right now. But having an iPad be an external display that could be moved to in the same way that I'm using a regular monitor for, very cool. I don't currently have an I- iPad that supports Apple Pencil, but especially with video editing and just, I don't know, miscellaneous stuff, I can really see that being a great extra monitor.
2: Yeah, anybody who's used the Luna display, which 9to5Mac mentions, uh, probably knows the advantages of this. The Luna display is a little device that, yeah, you can mirror any display to an iPad over Wi-Fi, but the Luna display takes advantage of some of the benefits of directly tying into the GPU. uh, And this would be Apple formalizing that, saying, well, let's just make that happen without you having to use an intermediary device, which I suppose is bad for Luna display selling their devices if this comes, uh, but would make it so that there is another reason to have an iPad and, and use it in your work setup.
3: And if you can use the pencil on the window that is actually a macOS window, I guess it's using functionality that al- already exists with uh, Wacom and stuff like that, but I wonder how what it means for the interaction between macOS and iOS on that level. It kind of puts a uh, 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 iPad... Um, UI elements, not UI elements, but uh, interaction elements on Mac OS. I wonder if, if something will be working weirdly there.
2: I think it would probably just use the input uh, info and, and send it to the sure. Mac. But eh,
3: yeah. Yes, but... Hmm.
1: Security researcher Armin Sebastian posted Monday that he discovered an exploit in version 3.2 of Adblock plus filter system, also used in Adblock and Ublock. They're similar. Under certain conditions, arbitrary code could be injected into a rewrite filter meant to block circumvention. Sebastian suggested that websites eliminate server-side open redirects or create whitelists and encourages users to switch to Ublock origin, which does not support the rewrite filter option. Adblock is saying that it takes us seriously and is evaluating the risk to its customers. Sebastian also says that rewrite filters should be dropped
2: because, quote, it's always possible to abuse the feature. Yeah, this is one of those situations where Adblock is saying, yeah, we knew third parties might be able to take advantage of that. We thought it was very unlikely, but we're going to look at this closer and see if maybe we should get rid of it. But we really like the rewrite feature. You know what? Uh, anything that can allow code to be injected, I'm not going to use. So um, I don't use Adblock anyway, but I certainly would not use Adblock if they don't fix this.
1: Sebastian also said that he he submitted what he said was an issue to Google, and Google said, "Well, it's actually a feature, not a bug." Um, I wonder if they'll change their stance on this now that it's become a somewhat big story.
2: Yeah, the the server side open redirects. I can see reasons for a website to say, you know, that's on adblock. They they should fix how they take advantage. There are legitimate reasons for us to have a server side open redirect. I also get why Sebastian says, "Yeah, but it's fundamentally less secure." Um, that one that one I'm willing to take more of a of a intermediate view on versus the ad blocks rewrite filters just aren't secure don't use them Hackaday.com has an excellent article about how 5G service could impact weather forecasting. Let me explain, if I may, Uh, although you should read the full article for a better understanding of this. Weather satellites use radiometers to measure microwave radiation, uh, which, among other things, is used to measure the amount of water vapor. You look for uh, reflections or emissions of microwave radiation from water vapor to estimate how much of it is in the air. That's one of the major factors in forecasting weather. The 23.8 gigahertz spectrum is very useful for measuring water vapor and also happens to be very close to where many 5G services will operate. That could lead to faint water vapor signals being lost in a sea of 5G noise if 5G isn't kept narrowly within its band. A lot of times, spectrum is a little messy. It's not as nice and neat as it looks on the map. In fact, DirecTV broadcasts previously have shown up reflecting off water and swamping out other water vapor data. So removing water vapor data could reduce forecast accuracy by 17%, which could be significant. Uh, 5G licensees are required to limit their out-of-band emissions, but the frequencies are so close, nobody can be certain how much error there may be. And once 5G services are up and running, companies may be reluctant to, to want to adjust if there's no immediate harm that they can see, which there wouldn't be. Like any particular forecast isn't going to be provable to suffer, but it would lower the accuracy of forecasts over time. Or
1: Great. Could. Just what we need. Meteorology that works less well because of 5G.
3: <laughs> I mean seventeen percent isn't nothing, no. but how i I know that's not exactly what it how it works one to one, but it seems that meteorology has improved a lot in the past 20 years um, Does that mean that we would go back to the level of accuracy from you know three years ago that? Would seem acceptable. I'm guessing. Uh, I'm also guessing there are some. I yes, it's not how it works.
2: But well, yeah. I mean, the the thing is, like, yeah. Weather forecasts have gotten more accurate over time because we've had more data, and amongst that data is water vapor data. And if right. suddenly water vapor data disappears, well, they're going to be less accurate. Uh, Hackaday points out a a demonstration of what the forecasted path of Hurricane Sandy would have been without the access to the water vapor uh, data.
1: Okay. And, so this is a good, it, this know, is a good example. Yeah. Of, and it, yeah, it where been that locked. would actually, it would, it would come, you know, t- today my weather forecast, I asked my, my assistant and she was like 40% chance of rain. Didn't rain, but you know, 40%. <laughs> okay. You know, it was like, whatever. But if it, but if it had to do with a natural disaster, then that is actually something that would factor into this in, in a, in a much bigger
4: way. Yeah.
3: That's that's where I was going. I think there are some uses. that are not just should I get an umbrella, but could actually have scientific, important scientific ramifications.
2: So. And it's the kind of thing that a carrier can point at and go, "Well, show me where the harm was today, because you know, okay, so your sixty percent chance of a rain wasn't exactly accurate. So what? Why should I have to fine tune my five G? I don't know." Yeah.
3: Well, a Wired feature by Nicholas Thompson and Fred Vogelstein describes the past 15 months at Facebook. Among the revelations are the are that Instagram co-founders Kevin Systrom and Mike Krieger didn't agree on the app's future and left Facebook in September because of that. Supposedly, Zuckerberg pulled out many of the ways Facebook sent traffic to Instagram, like ads and link backs, in order to keep people inside the, quote, blue app as they call it systrom and krieger also supposedly objected to hamburger menus unfolding icons and other design and functionality issues
1: oh, hamburger menus say.
3: no one no one likes hamburger menus i don't Everyone get why people them.
2: hate the hamburger menus so much
3: well, I, I obviously, this is not the most important no, part of no. this. I think it's because it's it's bad design because you just put an actual menu instead of designing uh, mm. a graphical UI uh, and you hide it. And it's just a, a text menu. And I think that's bad design. I'm not a designer, but that's how I understand it.
1: I mean, what's funny about this is that, well, it's not really funny, but it's what what's interesting about it is that, Okay, so apparently you know if 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 the articles to be believed, the way that it's laying out what the Instagram founders did is that Mark Zuckerberg was funneling traffic back into Facebook rather than giving it to Instagram, even though Instagram has been the most successful app it's ever been and continues to grow at a rapid pace as far as at least um at least users worldwide. so you know i'm i'm not I'm not totally sure you know how much that. It was more of a. It's the principle of what you're doing that we don't like, and we're out of here. And maybe just the fatigue of having worked at Facebook for some time now. I mean, they, you know, Facebook acquired Instagram what in 2012. Mm. Uh, so it's you know, it's 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 probably, you know, for as wealthy as you would be as an Instagram founder working under the Facebook umbrella, the blue umbrella, as it were, for this long. You know, to walk away, I I don't know how mad you'd have to be, or if you just kind of were ready to do it anyway.
2: Yeah, I'm sure that's part of it. That's a, it's a really good thought, which is you're you're probably half out the door already. And if you're like, well, look, I get that you want us to help bolster Facebook's traffic bleed, but come on, like that that's not satisfying for me. So, bye. yeah, I guess I'm going to leave
1: now. Yeah,
2: not going to go ma- away mad. I'm just going away, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm mad.
1: Yeah. Uh, Motley Crue, I believe. Mm. Uh, Waymo launched Waymo One, the app for its robo-taxi service in Phoenix. And this is interesting because it's on the Google Play Store and it's finally public. Previously, Waymo One and its companion app were only available to people in its early rider program. We've talked about that in the past. Waymo hasn't given specific numbers on who's using the now public service. Says it's in the hundreds but there are some limitations. The app has a wait list. So if I download it and I'm in the Phoenix area and I'm ready to go, I, after being accepted, still go into Waymo's early writer program. Then I'm moved into the public service if I, I don't know, act accordingly. Once in the public service, I can then invite other guests. I can take photos of my ride and you know talk about the whole experience publicly, which I'm sure a lot of people want to do. But it is a, it is a step forward for Waymo
2: you know, in the context of us talking last week about Ford saying, "eh, this isn't happening as fast as we might've thought with Uber pulling back for multiple reasons. Waymo has sort of been the canary in the coal mine to say, okay, is, uh, is our autonomous cars going to come as fast as we thought? Uh, and I'm not sure how to interpret this because on the one hand, it's making an app public, which is a forward step. On the other hand, it's just making an app public. It's not in any way changing the a number of riders in the public program or expanding the service area or anything like that.
3: I think, you know, it's definitely not uh, a fully launched program. But over the past, I would say, couple of years, we've had to, well, with Waymo especially, it was always like, sure it's autonomous cars but it's in a gated community or but it's limited to beta testers but it has it and as things have evolved i apologize in advance for this terrible pun but we've had less and less butts um which it's not really a pun but it says <laughs> buts, so it's funny um <laughs> so we've had less and less "buts, and at this point, there are still a few caveats, but um, it's, it's still progressing. I think it's a sign of progress. Even if it's slow, it's significant because many others seem to seem to not be progressing.
2: Yeah. TVZ Gun uh, in our chat, uh, and I know for a fact he lives in this part of Arizona, says, uh, I live in the part of Phoenix where they've done the Waymo testing, and those vans are everywhere around my town. So um, they certainly are present on the roads out there in Arizona. Yeah. Well, folks, if you want to get all the tech headlines each day in about five minutes, be sure to subscribe to DailyTechHeadlines.com. Rich, Sarah, or myself, once a day, give you a five-minute update, keep you up to date. Okay, Sony System Architect Mark Cherney confirmed to Wired that a new PlayStation console is coming, and he even detailed some of the things that are in it. Patrick, tell us about it.
3: Yes. Uh, so Ma- Mark Cerny is the, uh, essentially the, the hardware architect for the PlayStation 4, which is the most successful, uh, console this generation. Um, it, it was an interesting timing for the announcement because, b- because they didn't give anything that is incredibly unexpected. Uh, On the contrary, most of the things they're talking about are quite expected, um, but it's also at a time when it's not going to make a big splash. So it seems to me like they're getting some stuff out of the way um, for whenever, which is probably going to be in a long time, uh, they're going to announce the more interesting new and different things. Um, So I think there are three uh, different areas in which we can summarize their uh, announcement. The functionalities are uh, backwards compatibility with the PlayStation 4, which was expected, but still good to hear, and the PlayStation VR, meaning your existing VR headset for PlayStation will be usable on the new hardware and potentially uh, get kind of improved functionality because the computing power of the new device is going to be higher. So that's interesting. Uh, It will support 8K, 8K, so that's really future-proofing, but uh, it will run in 4K for the foreseeable future, and it will still have physical media. So you will still be able to use discs uh, in on that device. Again, not very surprising.
2: Yeah, they they didn't make it clear whether it would be Blu-ray or or some advanced version of Blu-ray or anything. But but honestly, that's you know devils in the details there. I think most people were just concerned: Am I going to be able to go buy physical media and play my games because that's the way I prefer to? We've heard from a lot of those sorts of people, so that's good news uh, that they'll be able to. And if it's backwards compatible, presumably it'll be backwards compatible to handling the current discs that you have. I find the backward compatibility part of this the most fascinating because it does imply to me that even though they're going to call this something else, it really is just an evolution of the PlayStation 4. They're not doing such a, a change of architecture and operating system that they have to port games over. It's it's following. It feels a little more like a PC evolution of like, hey, it's still a computer. It can still run stuff. Uh, so it should be able to run your old games.
3: And they've been bit by a uh, specific architecture in previous generations. PlayStation 2 and 3, especially, had very diff- complicated architecture and hurt the backwards compatibility. We knew it was going to happen for both the Xbox One and the PlayStation 4 because they've shifted to very PC like architectures. So it's not very surprising on that front.
2: Um, I was just gonna oh, make a, a, a comment about 8K too because I know a lot of people will just dismiss that as like, who cares? We don't even have 8K TVs. But eventually you will. So that's to me that's a, a sign that they're forward thinking. Although he probably mentions it in this univ- in, in this interview to sound impressive to people.
3: Yes and no. I mean these these uh, devices usually have a lifetime of about ten years from launch to retirement, uh, and it's not going to launch this year. So it will probably still be around in in 2030. And when you look at it like that, you're probably going to be happy that it already is 8K compatible. Yeah. Uh, the internals are also somewhat uh, expected. AMD custom chip with a Ryzen uh, CPU and Navi. Uh, GPU, which is capable of ray tracing, uh, that latest uh, graphics technology that N- NVIDIA introduced with the uh, RTX series of graphics cards. Uh, the 3D audio is a, is a thing they pushed really hard. certainly talked about it as a big evolution that we hadn't seen in previous generation. Um, the way uh, Wired describes it is as uh, being able to emulate presence, so that seems like a uh, a significant evolution of the 3D capabilities of audio. Uh, and, but the thing they're pushing the most is a really fast SSD, which will decrease load times by a significant amount. Uh, the, exemp- the example they give in Spider-Man decreases a, a specific load time from 15 seconds to less than a second. So it's not just your run-of-the-mill normal SSD. It is uh, significantly faster. But he also um, implies that it could create a different design options opportunities because you don't need to load any, you don't need Mm -hmm. to account for the time to load anything into the memory which could be interesting and could fizzle out
2: yeah i honestly the solid state drive stuff is the most impressive as far as changing the performance it's the least interesting to me though because i'm like yeah of course you, you you should do that that is absolutely why would you not do that uh the 3d audio is is befuddling to me uh only because i'm not quite sure what it is, but the way it's described in this interview makes it sound pretty great.
1: You know, um, I, 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 sorry to interrupt you, Tom. Yeah, yeah. I I have the same question. If I'm wearing headphones and there is 3d audio or at least something that seems that way. Okay. That sounds cool. Got it. You know, instead of stereo, there's, there's, you know, but would it apply to like a 7.1 surround sound system if I had that anyway?
3: So I think the way they, this is pure speculation on my part, but I think what they're uh, uh, implying by this is having uh, uh, more powerful 3D modeled audio systems, uh, uh, engines within the game that won't need to translate to, you know, uh, uh, standard 7.1, but. Will actually position the audio more precisely in the 3D world, with, and with have fewer, that
1: yeah, with, with with more simplistic speaker setups.
3: I, or, I think or so, but also the, they they specify that it will to get the ideal uh, um, uh, performance in that regard. You will need a headset, and that's how it will shine the most. So, I yeah, I still have questions about that as well. Okay. Um, I do want to mention about the. SSD that uh, they acknowledge you can already put an SSD drive, an SSD, in your existing uh, console today. And they're saying that gives you slightly faster load times, maybe a third of what exists now. What they're talking about for this next generation console will be dramatically faster to the point that it impacts development. Um, so which, that's which would have noting. to
4: be
2: because they have a better driver yeah. for it, then
4: because well, they'll probably uh, just move to an NVMe style exactly. structure instead. Mm-hmm. So one of the bottlenecks that, with any a PC yeah, is the SATA a sense. bus. I mean, what's what's re- really interesting for me this whole this whole thing is how you know it, they're really trying to kind of emphasize the technological prowess and kind of getting ahead of the curve because they think they want to really entice people who might be having second thoughts as other companies are kind of pushing the great game streaming aspect, right? Because you can't do things like AK on games. You can't do the, you know, the, ideally the, the level of audio fidelity that they're suggesting uh, with game streaming just yet. So I think they're trying to basically position it as a way like, yeah, you've heard about game streaming, but we have a system that's going to be so compelling That you will maintain, if not you know, put a pre-order, you're going to maintain interest in your eyeballs for for the foreseeable you know year to come to kind of slowly build up interest because I you know I one one of the things that I I noticed with this entire layout is it's it's a lot of technical specs but really little on on actual game development which is you know typical Um, but it's it just seems like a giant tease like you know we want to get yes. your attention now That's what but, happens when you yeah. leak info to Wired in an exclusive interview <laughs> Well but
3: but like It definitely like- is. It it definitely is a tease. There's no hugely substantial pieces of information. Uh they do say it's not going to be out this year, so probably 2020 as we had guessed, and they're not discussing cloud gaming. I I don't think uh you know what we're seeing here means there's not going to be cloud gaming i think it's coming but they're saving those announcements for later maybe even a playstation vr2 um and I don't think they're going to be able to avoid, uh, cloud gaming being an important part of that, uh, new generation. Of course, they already have PlayStation now and they're saying, you know, we're pioneers in that uh, area. We're very committed, blah, blah, blah. I think they're going to make it just as essential to the new generation as Microsoft is going to, is already doing with, uh, Xcloud. So I, I, I wouldn't take this to mean they're making this better than cloud streaming because I think there's gonna be parity between the two. If you can have significantly more powerful 3D audio in the home local rendering machine, I think they have to make it equivalent in cloud streaming.
2: Although I think Roger's got a good point that to justify buying a console instead of just gaming on whatever machine you have lying around, you wanna make that machine sexy with lots of specs.
3: Yes, but if they do end up going with cloud streaming, that's my speculation, you wouldn't need to buy the console um, mm. if you if you don't want to. I don't
2: think you get the 8K from the cloud streaming. That that, that That's where I, I totally agree.
3: Sure, sure, but when you do get an 8K TV, maybe by then you will be able to. I don't know. We're yeah, speculating. You need now. more bandwidth, too. mm.
1: Thanks everybody who participates in our subreddit. Lots of gaming stories there as well as others. You can submit your own stories and vote on others at dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com. We're also on Facebook. Got a group, in fact, facebook.com slash groups slash dailytechnewsshow.
2: Let's check out the mailbag.
1: Let's do it. Gabor, who says he's writing in from the filthy shores of the Danube River... <sighs> But <laughs> I I always thought it was blue. Uh Gabor says, I have an echo, a Logitech Harmony, some wireless switches, and a two-year-old boy. He's also wireless since birth. We're talking about, you know, the, the idea of smart assistance that was our the topic of our conversation yesterday. Gabor says, when he was about six months old, he used to scream a lot after his bath. Nothing new here. Some music quickly cheered him up. However, I had hard times handling my phone without any free hands. Ow say could give me a helping hand the favorite is still the dead south and hell i'll be in good company gonna look up that song as soon as the show's over combined with the logitech harmony it's very easy to mute or switch off the tv when something inappropriate is coming up or we just need a calmer environment it served as a simple toy too as my son loved pushing all the shiny buttons i'm aware of the risks but they're in balance with the benefits for now
2: and then we got a behind the scenes email right after that, uh, from him that says, I hope my previous email has made sense. I was pushed, pulled, dragged, swung, screamed upon, and even climbed on in an effort to turn my full attention towards my beloved son. But I guess what I wanted to point out is that parents often have a hand too few. Uh, and yeah, you know what? There's a uh, new Logitech harmony, uh, model out, uh, that has Amazon voice services built in that just came out today.
1: Patrick, I, I assume you can, you can relate.
3: Uh, Actually, for some of it, but I also don't use any voice assistants. I find them completely baffling in what I would have a use for them, Um, including after reading Gabor's uh, fantastic email. So... I guess my answer is I don't really relate. Uh, well, I mean, I mean, you relate
1: the, to probably a kid uh, giving you uh,
3: pushing, pulling, dragging, teamwork, swinging, or no screaming. arms. Yes. Yes. that's All of He that. also said that's his son
2: chewed up every single remote he could lay his hands on, so that was another good reason to have voice <laughs> services.
1: I mean, Indeed. your son and my dog should go bowling. <laughs> Uh, Well, thanks to everybody who, who sends us feedback every day. You make our days. And also thanks to Patrick Bejar for being here today. Patrick, let folks know what you've been up to lately.
3: Uh, We just recorded an episode of Pixels, the gaming show that I do every couple of weeks. If you are interested in uh, more details about the PlayStation 5 announcement and other things uh, like the Star Wars game and much more, go check out Pixels on your podcast app. And uh, if you're a more casual gamer, check out MVGB, the monthly video game briefing, which we do with Scott Johnson. Uh, It's an easier listen for people who don't need all the details.
2: Absolutely, folks. Go check it out. And don't forget that if you're not already a member of DTNS, uh, you get all kinds of perks when you become one, uh, including an ad-free feed, special episodes. We just put up a ThreatWire cross post talking about the WPA3 Dragonblood vulnerability from Shannon Morse. That went out exclusively to folks today in the Patreon feed. Uh, So be like Mike, as we said at the top of the show, and join us. In fact, if you join us at the advisor or master level today day and you stick around for three months at that level, you'll get a DTNS five-year anniversary mug or poster, depending on the level, with art by Len Peralta. That's all available at patreon.com slash DTNS.
1: Send your feedback to feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. Questions, comments, bring on. We're happy to have you. We're also live Monday through Friday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 2030 UTC. If you can join us live, it's a lot of fun. You can find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live.
2: Back tomorrow with Scott Johnson. Talk to you then. Bye.
4: This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com.
0: Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter.
3: Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for
0: 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
4: Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools,